All righty. We want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here today. <clears throat> you know, growing up in, uh, growing up, I was a very uh, curious child. Uh, I wanted to, when I saw things, you know, just different things, electronics and things like that, um, I wanted to know how they worked. Uh, I wanted, in other words, I wanted to know, uh, the why behind the what, um, I guess maybe that's why, um, I became a broadcast engineer because of course that's what engineering is as at its core is knowing the how and the why and how things work you know sometimes we get used to just pressing buttons and things just automatically turn it on uh, but when those things stop turning on then you have to know why you see and so I, I think that just had to do with my really my calling in the Lord uh, knowing the why and uh, really wanting to fix things and uh, help people, I guess, if that make any sense. And so I grew up, uh, especially starting doing that with electronics, with VCRs and uh, stereo systems and things like that, just knowing the, wanting to know the why. And so, and I'm really, I'm the same way in God's ministry and uh, in his, the people in it. Um, I always want to know the why. I want to know why sometimes I'm seeing the things that I see and what make people tick, you know. Um, this ministry started, uh, for the most part, in prison. That's where we really got our jump start at, where I was in prison and I um, really started preaching there. And I saw... Uh, the most hardened people you'd ever want to meet. Of course, at the time in 1994, when I was in prison uh, there in New Orleans, uh, New Orleans was the murder murder capital of the world. And so I was in there among those people that were murderers. And I, you know, and, uh, and everything in between, you see. And, uh, you know, it started with me just talking with one brother about the word, and it went from there. And, you know, from the very beginning, I saw uh, just how people could be. I guess maybe the Lord was preparing me for what I would see coming down the pike. You know, the one brother uh, that I, he was always happy-go-lucky type of person. In fact, that's what people called him, Brother Happy. That was his nickname, Brother Happy. Now listen, he was happy until that word found him. <laughs> he went from a smiling individual, smiling all the time, just happy, go look, hey man, how you doing? That's good, you know, that type of person. And one day, uh, the women in the, that were across the way, you know, in prison, they were let out onto the courtyard, in the basketball courtyard. And I saw him up against the window like this, uh, and a, a female was up against the window on from the outside, and he was taking her name and number, you know, and because he wanted to be able to, I guess, contact her and call her some kind of way. And I knew that Brother Happy was married because he had talked to me about his marriage and wanting to, you know, wanting to make his marriage the best thing. And, and uh, when I now, what did I see that for? So you might know at our next little personal Bible study, I called him on it. Say, now, Brother Happy, uh, if you're supposed to be living for the Lord, you need to live for him. And I said, now, you've been talking to me about your marriage, but I'm seeing you getting a phone number from this young lady out here. And he got bitter. And so, you know, that, now that's the wrong thing to do with me because I'm going to just let you finish having it, see. And so I told him, I said, now, you reap what you sow. You don't want nobody coming after your wife. Don't you go after nobody else's. You know, 
And before I left there, his wife had started a divorce procedure and was already dating another man. And so he got bitter about that, you know, and, you know, later on, um, later on, I found out that, um, So later on, I found out that um, he r wanted to do me some harm. And I, I thought that was the strangest thing. Now, he never brought it to me, you know, but people were, people were bringing it to me. And apparently, he was talking. Uh, but I thought it was the strangest thing that he went from Brother Happy to Brother Bitter. Didn't want to have anything else to do with the Lord. And I, and I come to the conclusion at the beginning of this ministry that people are okay with the Lord as long as the Lord ain't calling them on their junk. See, so I was getting my first lesson in the ministry in what make people tick, you see. And so, <laughs> but that, that was one case. Uh, but there were a lot of people there who had committed murder, who had killed their own parents, their own mother or their own father, uh, who had dealt drugs to their own loved ones and things like that and had them hooked and them dying off of it uh, there were uh, people in there who was as hardened as they come who the word found them and they surrendered their life to the lord with their whole heart and i and i mean with their whole heart were uh, you know and, and honestly i felt bad for a lot of them because they were no longer the individual. They were just starting off in their court cases. They had not, none of them had been convicted yet. They were in that, in that holding part where they were waiting for their court date. And I felt bad for them. Some of them were already in court and out of court and things like that. And I felt bad for them because I understood very clearly, you are not the same person, but you're going to have to do time. Some of them, life, for the rest of their life, were going to be incarcerated for what they had done. And, and at the very beginning of their time in prison, they give their life to the Lord and they're no longer the same. But they have to, they have to pay for what the old man did. And so in that, I saw a lesson. We reap what we sow. You know, you can live like the devil for 40 years and then give your life to the Lord at 41. You still got, you still got to pay the piper. There are things that you've done in your life you're going to have to answer for. You know, and we, we see, and you heard me use this example before, and no matter how Paul was saved and changed his name and all of that, he spent the most, of, most of his ministry in prison and in shackles. Why? Because that's what he sowed. He, he threw people that loved God, that loved Jesus Christ, into prison. And so he had it coming, you see. And so in these, so these things is, is, is what I sometimes I, I ponder on is, is what make people tick. And so in that, I saw hardened prisoners uh, give their life to the Lord. And I mean, live for him with their whole heart, with all of their being. You know, some of them in their minds uh, could have stayed bitter. What did they have to lose? I'm looking at uh, being incarcerated for the rest of my life. I don't want to live for God in here. And some of them knowing I'm, I'm going to be in here for the rest of my natural life. I'm going to die in this place. In other words, had really nothing to live for. And yet they gave God a chance. In their minds, nothing was looking up for them. They couldn't go out to the store somewhere and, and buy what they wanted to eat. They had to eat whatever junk was served to them. They didn't have freedoms. You know, uh, there was one time when uh, the water stopped flowing in the prison in that particular section. And for three weeks, uh, we went without water. People still had to use the bathroom and couldn't flush the toilet. And they, of course, what did they do? They shut the phones off where well, you couldn't call outside because they didn't want that kind of attention. But you know what? People kept serving God. 
They kept serving God. That, that didn't get under their skin. And, and then I looked, so I compare that. At the beginning of this ministry, that's what I saw, that God's word, it broke and it helped the hardest of the hardest. And, and now I, I look today among people who ain't been in prison, don't know nothing about it. Ain't and never have experienced the hardships that some of those men in there experienced. And, and, and can't worship God with their whole heart. Won't serve him, will not. Can get up and go to the store, can get up and do what they want to do in life and feel like they ain't got nothing to worship God about. And so that's my mind is what make people tick? What are people thinking? When people and, and I, I've just come to this conclusion, maybe part part of what it is, is the people that I was preaching to in prison, they knew they were in prison. <laughs> uh, but you got people who got all kind of liberties and freedoms who still don't know they're in jail. You just don't have shackles on. Y you can't see yours. <laughs> you see. And so in that, I. I I always pray, Lord, how can I help your people so that we see each other in heaven? I don't want to I don't want to go there and somebody's missing. If I know you personally, I want to see you there. And there are times in my mind I try to fathom how is God going to wipe away the tears of his people when his some of his people are going to know I knew some people that didn't make it here. That's 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 going to be one of the biggest magic magic tricks the Lord pull off. Knowing that your heart and you you love people with your whole heart, no matter what they do and you love them. And to be there and know that they're not there. That's going to be a hard pill to swallow. But, you know, if God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. <laughs> if, if he said it, it's, it's possible. We're going to be able to worship God knowing we're forever separated from folks we loved in this world. That's something, isn't it? That's something that, you know, I, I try to wrap my mind around it and maybe it's going to take going into eternity to be able to really fully comprehend how God's going to pull that one off. You see that? But we know he's going to do it if he said it, you see. All right. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the 10th chapter of the book of John. And we're going to start reading at verse 22. Again, I always want to know how and what make people tick. You know, what, what's going on in the minds of people? Does everybody understand that? You, you, you know, you can't help people if you don't know how they think. You, you, you know, uh, you know, it <laughs> If you want a, a, a real good, high-paying job in, in security, you know, especially when it comes to software, uh, you, you just break the crime. You just do a cyber crime. You just break into one of the banks, you know, they're into their software system. You, you might do a couple of months in jail, but when you get out, they're going to have a job for you. Because they're going to want to know, how did you do that? If you could do that from the back door, we want you, you, we know you can block it from the front. And so that's one of the things I, I tell my wife, you know, uh, she, you know, we talking among ourselves, uh, you know, I, you know, I say, if you want to help that one sister, you're going to have to learn to think that way. And I'm not telling you to take on their thoughts and be crazy. But I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn to see people where they are and think from that position. This is what they're thinking. In any, every game that you watch, you know, it's amazing. When you play, when you watch football, the, 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 the team that win is the team that have studied the, the opposing team. They're not just out just, just calling plays and just, you know, out there just hoping something falls into place for them. They're able to, to know you're about to call this play. And we already have a play to combat that. And so sometimes that's the way the Lord operates. You know, you say, he, he say uh, 
the, the, he shows us the devil's about to call this play. This is how the devil is functioning in their life. And so this is how you help them. You see that you, you don't you don't help people that's got a devil without knowing how the devil operate. You got to know that devil. You see that whatever it is they dealing with, you have to know it. See, and, and that's one of the things if you if you one of those people, you feel like you're called to help people. You'll get your heart broke. Not knowing how they operate and thinking that they just automatically are like you. Well, I ain't got nothing in my heart towards anybody. I ain't nobody done me nothing, so I ain't got nothing in my heart towards. And I tell my wife, you can't think that way. It's got folks that would want your job. That don't like the way you look because they don't look that well. Whatever the case is, you have to think from that position. You got to quit thinking that everybody is just like you. Uh, you, does everybody understand that? Because <laughs> they not. It, it, they, some folks got some ugly motives. Nothing pure there. And, and if you're going to help that devil, you, you got to think like that devil. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> what is, uh, so you may say, what's the Bible for that, Brother Bolden? Be as wise as who? Not wise like God, be as wise as serpents. <laughs> but look at what he says, harmless as doves. Don't you be like, you know how they think, but don't you be that way. That's for your sanity, so that you don't get bitter. Does everybody understand that? Now that's for all of us who, who try to help people. You see, you, you got to know what anger, because people will sideswipe you. You got to know what angle they're coming from. You see that? So that's my mindset. I, I, had, I learned that the hard way. Everybody don't think the way I think. You know, you can be, you know, to me, me personally, if I'm around people, I like them. I'm not thinking anything. I don't want what you got. You know, I'm not thinking, man, I, I like them shoes, you know, and I can't stand you because you got them on. That, that ain't my mind, uh, you know. I, I might, I might like those shoes. They look, they look good on your feet. <laughs> I ain't going at home drawing a picture around my feet. <laughs> see, lifting my feet up in the mirror, seeing how they look. You see, them, them your shoes. <laughs> and so, in all of this, I always, I, I, I want to know. Uh, what make people tick? And from the jump, you know, I saw how God helped uh, people who were in prison and uh, how they were sold out. I didn't have to keep preaching the same thing to them over and over. I didn't have that long to be there, so we had to get to moving, see? And so it, uh, it wasn't years and years of the same stuff in a said in a different way. Wasn't none of that, you see? Th those people that come to the end of that rope, and and they were they they were ready, and that's one thing I I love about listen, I love people, I love it when people are completely sold out. I I I love that when, when people are faithful. Does everybody understand that? Not wishy washy. You just I I can I love it when I can depend on people. Does everybody understand that? When when they just they just that's just the way they are, it ain't it don't depend it don't depend on how they feel in the day. They just who they are, and I feel like if you're not changing your name every other week, then you ought to be the same person. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? That's just the way I feel about it, and so that that's what I love. To me, if you're gonna be raggedy, be raggedy all the time, and I can depend on you being raggedy. I know I can't send you to the store with $20. I'm going to give you a quarter to go get me some gum or something. <laughs> but at least I can put you in your category. You raggedy. <laughs> so just I can depend. If I can depend on you, if you just stay that way, then we can work with you, you see. <laughs> but if you showed up like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, <laughs> don't know what, what you, what's coming, <laughs> I can't put you nowhere. Does everybody understand? <laughs> so the tenth chapter of the book of John, and so you know, in that, I just um, seeing how faithful those people were to to the Lord, 
and what condition they were in and what they were facing in life. And then getting out and thinking, you know, in my mind, well, people that are free, they're going to be so grateful. They're going to be glad because it ain't all a grown person alive that ain't done something to go to jail for. So you're going to be glad you ain't got to spend the rest of your life in jail. You're going to be glad to receive this gospel and you free to. You get to get up from church and, and go eat at Popeye's or somewhere. You, are, you got something to be thankful for. Well, nobody's telling you what you're going to eat every day. You know, giving you slop and calling it food. And you got to eat it. Just close your eyes and eat it. See? But I was in for a rude awakening. <laughs> We're spoiled. And we don't know how good we got it. We got water that'll flush our toilet. And we just think, well, that's where it's supposed to be. I don't care how it operates. It better flush. We can go in our house. It'd be dark inside. And we can fl flip the switch. The, we ain't got to get up under the house to turn the switch on. We got the switch right there by the door. And you can just walk in there and flip it on. And all the lights come on. And we, and we just go on with life like we deserve it. I was reading a story not long ago uh, about a man who was in the hospital and they had to put him on oxygen, you know, and uh, he got his bill, a hospital bill, and it was thousands of dollars for that oxygen that he was on while he was in there. And they brought him his bill while he was in there and he began to cry. It was a high bill, thousands and thousands of dollars. And it was a high bill and the man began to cry. And the, and the doctor began to try to, the, the nurse began to try to comfort him and say, well, sir, I'm sorry, you know, your medical bill is so high. I don't, I don't have anything to do with how high these bills are. I'm just, you know, here to do my job. And, uh, she's, and he said, I can pay the bill. I'm not crying because it's a high bill. He said, I'm crying because all this time I've been breathing God's free oxygen and been taking it for granted. I did not know. <laughs> what a blessing I had being able to breathe his, his free oxygen <laughs> isn't that something now and so you know I, I, I ponder on these things and I think about these things about uh, what, what is it what, what's the difference why is it that people who have nothing to look forward to outside of heaven, they, they give their lives to the Lord and they can serve God with their whole heart? And then you got people who, who have all kind of freedoms, who um, are blessed, really, just naturally speaking. And it, it's very hard for them to receive the word of God. Like it, it's very, very hard. Um, the for them to live I ain't gonna say just receive it but to live the word of God and, and so the Lord began to deal with me and so we're going to go over that today so again the 10th chapter of the book of John we're going to start reading at verse 22 it says and it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch then came the Jews round about him and said unto him now pay attention how long does thou make us to doubt? Isn't that something now? <laughs> you, with your little games, your little mind games that you like to play, you making us doubt. Isn't that something? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. You know that's the way people are with God's word. It's your fault. You're not making it plain. You're the reason why I'm backsliding and going all over the place and doing what I want to do. Yeah, I hear the word, but I ain't doing it. And it's your fault. You're making me to doubt. So if you just tell me in such a way, <laughs> I'll live it then. Everybody see that? Look at what the Lord said. And Jesus, Jesus answered them, I told you. Everybody see that? I told you. But what happened? 
and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So not only did you hear me it, hear it come out of my mouth, but you see the works that are done. But ye believe it not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Isn't that something now? You know, a, a goat would never believe this word, and they'll never believe it. Isn't that something? That, that's one thing that I love about the Lord. He just got right to the, the heart of the matter. I told you already, you didn't believe it. I'm doing miracles around you that nobody else has ever done in life. You won't believe that. And I'm telling you now, uh, like I've told you before, you don't believe it because you're not a sheep. I, in other words, there's nothing I can do to help you. That's something, isn't it? And so, I, you know, I've learned, you know, you, it's something when you <laughs> when you experience the goodness of God, you think when everybody if everybody come to this, just this realization of God's love, they're going to flock to him and they're going to want a piece of it. They're going to want it. They're going to be hungry for it, just like you are. But I've determined I'm not God. And I and, and it's not my job to turn goats into sheep. That's not my job. I'll preach the goats all day long. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? But I can't turn them into sheep. I, I can't change. And, and listen, I'm speaking from experience. I had a goat growing up. I know their nature. They are honorary. And the deception is they look just like sheep. You know, you can, you can, you can even put a goat with a sheep and they'll produce an animal. You can mate them and they'll produce an animal. Does everybody understand that? So they're in the same family some kind of way. But two different natures. One day I got home from school and my daddy had slaughtered that goat. I, I thought it was a pet, but it wasn't. He was just getting it fat for us to eat. Because it, it was around for a little while. So I thought we're good. We got a horse. Uh, we got a goat. And I guess they, they like keeping company with each other. Uh, one day I got home, I saw a rope hanging from the back of the tree, from the tree. And he had, you know, had, had slaughtered the goat and didn't let it, let the blood drain, see. And then we, that, that goat was dinner. It never was meant to be a pet. And, and you better know <laughs> that same thing is for, for, for God's work. Goats are not pets. God will let you hang around for a while, but he's just fattening you up for hell. Now you think on that one. For those of us that like to play. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? So I've learned, listen, I'm not going to get gray headed and, and, I'm, and I'm not going to grow old faster than what I'm supposed to try to make turn goats into sheep. I, I saw what the word of God did for grown, hardened men. And so I know that the word works like you hear my wife say all the time, that word works. It, 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 if you take it in your heart, it's going it's to do something for you. You're going to change. And so I learned that when people, when people hear the word and they don't change, it is because there is a resistance there. Does everybody understand that? God is not, <laughs> doesn't have respect of persons. If you come to him, he'll receive you. Yeah, if you come to him, you, he'll receive you. He, he don't just hate people just to be hating them. If you come to him, he'll receive you. Does everybody understand that? So nobody, and there's nobody that's going to be able to stand before God and have this testimony. Well, God, you didn't like me anyway. What, what did you do for me? You, you know, you were doing all this for them, but you didn't. Listen, time and chance happened to us all. Nobody's going to spend an eternity, eternity away from God because God just flat out rejected him. You reject him first. God don't reject people. You reject him. Th that's like sitting way across the street eating dinner and then men being mad at your spouse because they don't want to come over there where you are. They got a house to eat in. Does everybody understand that? And God loved his people. He left all of the good 
in heaven and made himself sinful man. He went across that street for you and you still reject him. <laughs> he came and ate with men. That's a long that's that's a long way away. That ain't just across the street. And so in that, I, I always wonder what what are people thinking? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 26, let's read that. But ye believe, believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And what do they do now? They follow me. They don't just hear his voice. You're hearing his voice now. But the, his sheep follow him. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. And I give unto them, what? eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand everybody see that if you can be plucked out of the Lord's hand it's because you don't belong to him if you are a sheep does everybody understand that if you are a sheep you don't get discouraged and turn your back on God It's not that the devil won't come for you. But when you are a sheep, he can't pry the fingers of the Lord from around you. He going to hold on to you. Does everybody understand that? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 29, my father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are what? What are they now? Now let's back up now. Verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So he's the, so we see he's done told them again. Uh, so let's read verse 30. Now I and my father are one, and what did they do? Fall down and worship him? What did they do? Then the Jews took up stones again to do what now? Tell us plainly so we can kill you. And I'm showing you, this is the game that people play. You hear God's word, just like you're hearing it today. We have a discussion about it. People say, oh, I didn't know that. Now it's plain to me. But I'm not going to live by it. In fact, I'm now more bitter against you because now you done made it more plain and you just acting like I got to just live by it. And I'll kill you in my heart. Does everybody understand that? If, if, so what do I do? This is the game that people play. What do I do? What you've been hearing. Do that. God ain't, you can't, listen. Like what, <laughs> what do people play with your mama? Don't play with God. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Run games on your little brothers and sisters. They might be silly enough to fall for that. <laughs> but don't, don't, you, don't you insult God with your foolishness. You don't want to obey, and you need to come to that conclusion. I don't want to obey this. I, I understand very clearly what you're saying. I just don't want to do it. Don't play games of you don't, every week you getting a new revelation into why you're disobedient. So here we see, let's go ahead and keep reading here. Verse 32, Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father, which for which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Now that's what they were, that's what they were. If you quit playing games with us, Lord, if you're Christ, tell us. 
And so when he told them, of course, that he, of course, him being the Christ, that means that he was God. They understood that. But when he reasserted his deity, now they want to kill him. And they tell him, well, the Lord asked him, so why you want to kill me now? What, what, what work have I done to make you want to kill me? Not for your good works. We, okay, we accept that, your little ministry. You heal the sick, raise the dead, and all of that. But you don't cross the line. You told us you were the Christ. Does everybody understand that? Isn't that what they were asking for? Now, it's something to me, you know, how people, they testify. You know, Brother Bolton, uh, Apostle Bolton, I was praying about this, and you spoke exactly on what I needed to hear. But I ain't going to obey it. Isn't that something? People spend years in that cycle, praying to God, asking him for stuff they ain't going to obey. <laughs> and God and, and God will play right along with you. You want, you want some more stuff to be convicted to hell about? I'll give it to you. You want some more stuff for me to bring up in, on Judgment Day for you not to? I'll, I'll bring it right to you, sister and brother. <laughs> but you better know you're going to be responsible for it. Does everybody understand that? When I put that cup in your hand, you're going to have to drink it. See. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of him whom the father had sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest. Because I said, I am the son of God. Isn't that something? Now, isn't that what they asked? They were asking him if he was the Christ. And when he made it plain to them, what did they want to do? In other words, they had no intention on following him. They had no intention of doing that. And listen, here's the, here's the tricky part about the word of God. When it's set before you, if you don't follow it, you're going to reject it. And that's going to be actively. Does everybody understand what I mean when I say that? They couldn't just walk away from that situation. And I'm trying to show you uh, the, the, the danger of this. They could not, once God made himself plain to them, they could not just walk away from that situation and say, well, you know what, you said it, but we don't, no, nah, we don't, we don't want to follow it. They had to, and here's what people have to do, they had to justify themselves for their disobedience. When the word of God is set before you, if you don't drink that cup, you got to justify why you won't drink it. But, but does everybody understand that? So that in your mind, you can live with a clear conscience. Verse 37, if I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe what? The works that ye may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Did he back down? They already had stones and walking around looking for stones to kill them with. But he didn't back down. Verse 39, therefore, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Isn't that something? And I, You know, <laughs> what we read in verse 24, let's read that again. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So they were trying to put, listen, when you reject God's word and what he's saying, you automatically open yourself up for confusion. Automatically. When I see people confused and the God is making his word plain like he does in this ministry, it ain't God's fault. Does everybody understand that? Let's go to the eighth chapter of the book of John now. We're going to start reading at verse 30. It says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Everybody see that? Let me read that again. As he spake these words, what happened? Many believed on him. Let's go and keep reading. Then said Jesus to those Jews, which did what now? Believed on him. If you do what now? Continue. He's talking to the believers. You see how you always up the ante? No, it's, it's not enough for you to join this ministry. You got to continue in it. That's what he was telling them. 
I, I get that you you glad that the Christ is here, but you got to continue. If you continue in my word. It, listen, and let me make this clear, brothers and sisters, it's not enough to be saved. You got to be a disciple. What do we get? That's where we get our word from discipline. You got to have the same. You got to have the discipline that the ministry is teaching. That's what make you a disciple when you got the same discipline. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. How? Indeed. In other words, it's going to show up in your life. Indeed. Everybody see that? I'm going to see some works. I'm going to see some proof. In other words, that's what that word indeed means. There's going to be some proof that you following me. People are going to know you've been following him. Does everybody understand? All right. Verse 32. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Make you free. I like what that says. I'm glad the Lord said it that way. You know, because a lot of times people misquote that. They say, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's not what it's saying. You can be in prison, and that's why I love the way the Lord said it. You can be in jail. I can come with the key and unlock the door. You've been set free. You've been set free, but but it's up to you to walk out of those doors. But the word says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In other words, that truth not only unlocked the door, it grabbed you by the hand and leads you out of that jail. It's going to make you. It ain't just going to open the door for you. It's going to pull you out of there. It's going to change you. (laughs) Does everybody understand that? And that's what makes me know when the truth is being preached and people are not changing, there is a resistance. You got to be pulling in the opposite direction. Does everybody understand that? It ain't just, I'm just sitting in here, Lord, what do I do next? I see you, thank God you unlocked the jail, but I don't know what to, what step do I take? No, no, sir. When that truth comes for you and it, say, and, and it opens up the door, it grabs you by the hand and it pulls you out of there. It make you free. Does everybody understand that? Let's <laughs> go and keep reading. They answered him, we be what? Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How says thou, ye shall be made free? Now, if that's not bipolar, I don't know what is. Does everybody understand? Let's read verse 30 again. And he spake these words, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. He was talking to believers. And all he had to do was say a couple of sentences and they backslid just that fast. We are Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. You see that? Does everybody understand what he's doing there now? Just that quick. You see why he had to say the way what he said? If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You, You think that prophet knew? That they weren't going to continue? Now, I think it's very interesting. The key, the key factor here is the idea that they had trouble with accepting the fact that they were in bondage. In other words, people want to think that their life that they lived outside of Christ was okay. I wasn't in bondage. Wasn't nobody telling me what to do. It was my choice, and I don't think what I was doing was all that bad. That's what the Lord is challenging. Everybody see that? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What was he telling them? Y'all are bound. But if you continue in this, you'll be made free. And so right away, they had an answer. Right away, they had an answer. What are you talking about? We should be made free. We were already free. Nobody handcuffing us does everybody understand that jesus answered them verily verily i say unto you whosoever committed sin is what now the servant of sin 
It doesn't matter how much of your free will you think you got. If you committing it, you the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You're no longer going to live in sin. Does everybody understand that? I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because what? My word hath no place in you. <laughs> Isn't that something? You see, these people were believers. The Bible says that they believed on him. Now, let me make this clear. Let me make uh, tell you why it's worded that, that way. They believed on him. They believe he's the son of God, just like y'all do. The devil believed that. So what, what, what do you have on the devil? Why are you going to heaven and he's not? Because the devil is not a disciple. He ain't continuing in God's word. Oh, he believes it. He, he believes that he knows that Jesus Christ was the son of God. He knows that. But he ain't trying to follow it. Does everybody understand that? My word have no place in you. That's the name of this message. No place in you. So when I was... <laughs> Just thinking about what I was sharing earlier, I was asking the Lord, what, why is it that people who have nothing to look forward to, people that's going to spend the rest of their life in prison, the, the, the hardest of the hardest in society, why were they able at the beginning of this ministry to come to you and serve you with their whole heart? And many of them still serving. Why was that the case? And then you got people who've been in this ministry and people who follow this ministry. And when I say follow, I mean that loosely. Are not sold out. Why is that? And this was the Lord's answer. My word has no place in them. Because if the word was in you, it will make you free. It will make you not set you make you free. So if you hear the word and it's not making you free, it's because his word has no place in you. Now, I don't know what it is. To give my life to the Lord and then not serve him. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is to hear God's word and hear something that I need to change and not change. I don't know what that is. I don't I can't I can't identify with that. I don't I don't understand the mindset. I don't know what it is to come to church, hear God's pure word, sit here and cry and snot when worship is going on and then go right home and live like the devil. Just purposely. I'm not going to do it. I don't know what it is. But, you know, when you praying and asking God a question, he'll he'll share. Now, this is not listen, brothers and sisters, this is not to condemn anybody. But this is to help those of us who the word is not made free yet. And uh, you, I, I could say things. You know, because the law want me to say it but still not be able to understand exactly. Be because to me, if I'm in, I'm just that type of individual. If I'm, if I'm in it, I'm in it. I don't know what it is to be half in and half out. If I'm in it, I'm in it. I, so I don't, I never believed in playing with the Lord. If I was in, I was in. Does everybody understand that? So I don't know what it is to hear God's word and then just turn right around and reject it and go home. And I mean, just, and consciously, I know, yeah, I know I'm supposed to crucify my flesh, but I, I don't know what that is. You go, you know, this ministry owns a graveyard right across the street there. 
Ain't none of them over there thinking about waking up. None of them. None of them over there. They're not having meetings on whether or not to decide whether they, maybe we ought to get up. Now, that's the way our life is supposed to look. When I decided to crucify my flesh, it stayed dead. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> you know, you can go see some tombs. You see some of the headstones in some of these graveyards is, is 1937 to 2015, not 1937 to just 2015 and then 2018 and then slash or something else. It's just it's just two sets of dates there. Just one set of dates there. This is the beginning. This is the end. And and that's what my tombstone look like. 1974 to 1994. <laughs> and been dead ever since. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> And so, you know, the Lord began to help me to understand that. Uh, you know, in my in his own way, my my wife, and I'm going to share this, my wife, she had a dream uh, maybe a, a couple of weeks ago where she said I was, what was it, a box of keys or something that you pull out of your purse? And I took one of the keys. And so I was, I took one of the keys and I was going on a trip or something. And I, I was saying, and she said I was excited. So she, did you had the dream, right? So she told me the dream, and I, it, you know, and then, it, and I, I, when she told me the dream, as she was telling me the dream, I thought something along the lines of a ministry trip that I was supposed to go somewhere and preach, or, uh, you know, somebody's church or uh, another church that the Lord would have this ministry to be over, or something like that. That's what I was thinking. And then at some point I asked her, so what do you think the dream mean? And she said, oh, I think it means um, that, that, the, that, that the Lord is going to grant you the bucket truck that you need to cut the trees down around this, this, this church here, you know, and around the property, that, that you, were, you were going to buy that bucket truck. And so that was all. That was all we said about it. And so you fast forward about a week and a half or so, I'm still pondering, so what is this church the Lord is showing me? Where is it that he want me to go? And I didn't have peace about it. And I, and I became just like the Pharisees. Well, just tell me plainly what the dream mean. That was my thinking. Because I'm thinking about the, another church. This is a ministry trip, and the Lord is showing me at some point I'm going to leave my wife behind on this trip and go wherever it is, or maybe he want me to go pray for somebody or something. Then finally it dawned on me. Ask the source again. Because, see, I completely forgot what she said. You know why? Because her word didn't have no place in me. So I went and asked her again. I said, so what, what did you say that dream meant? And she said, oh, I thought it meant, I think it means that the Lord is showing you he's going to grant you this bucket truck that you're, that you're looking for, that you're going to get a bucket truck. And I was like, you know what? That, that is what he meant. And then the Lord showed me this is how people hear the word and then go home and don't live it. Why? Because it's something in their mind that's already there. And because something is already there, my word have no place in them. Everybody understand that now? So let me show you. Let me, I'm going to try to, does everybody see that? You don't want to spill that. That's that, that's that grape juice. And throughout life, we, that's what we pick up there. Does everybody understand that? That's what we pick up. That's what we look like. Does everybody understand? And we come to church like that. that that's not pure at all, is it? This is. And we come to church and we hear God's word. And God, what would happen if I poured this in that? It would spill over. That, there's no place. So when the law says 
my word have no place in you. What he's saying is my there's not room there. My word has no room. It, I could pour it in you, but it'll just overflow. You, you won't even remember what I'm saying. Because it's something else there. And I'm not going to make the mistake of trying to force my word on the inside of your heart because it's not going to be pure because you still got grape juice there. And so if I some kind of way could force this in that, it still wouldn't be pure. You just have some watered down grape juice. In other words, a watered down version of your old self. So what do we have to do? Get rid of that junk. Don't come here with that no more. Does everybody understand that? That, the, what the Lord was showing me, that's the ins and outs of why people hear God's word. He speak it plainly to them, and then they go home and they live contrary to what they've heard. His word have no place in you. In other words, it, it's not that the word can't get there, but there's something else there. So Jesus, in the 8th chapter of the book of John, he was talking about the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But why is it that the truth don't make people free? It's because they already have been programmed with lies. And they believe it. Does everybody understand that? And we're trying to make this as plain as we can. That word, it will make you free if it's got room in you. And does everybody understand what I mean when I say room now? If it's got place. And that don't mean making this half full. Okay, Lord, I'm half, I'm half now. Y you can pour some of you in me. N the Lord ain't going to do nothing. Uh, this, this, this bottle of water, it'll sit right there. That ain't going to move until this is completely empty. This ain't doing nothing until this is completely empty. Everybody understand that? Some years ago, we were at a gas station, my uncle and I and his family, and I pulled up to the gas pump, and uh, some diesel fuel was put in his gas engine, was put in a tank. And I was driving, I, I, started, I tried to start. It started for a little bit, and then it cut off. And then we figured out diesel fuel was put in there, a full tank. And so we emptied half the tank and got under there and emptied half of it. And then we put some regular fuel in there and still wouldn't start. You know what we had to do? We had to empty the whole tank. Because if it says gasoline, that's what it means. Not your mixture. <laughs> and listen, God's word is the same. God ain't going to share a space in you with the lies you're holding on to. That truth is that truth is jealous. It, it won't all of you or none of you. Does everybody understand that? Let's go real briefly now to the book of Matthew, the 18th chapter. We're going to start reading at verse 1. And it says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child. Everybody see that? He called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Everybody see that? Everybody see? And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be what? Converted. And become as little who? Children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. Does everybody see that? We pointed this out before. Verse 2, and Jesus called the little child unto him. Isn't that right? 
Did that little child come to him? No, the little child just. Is that what he did? Come here, come here, boy. Yes, sir, I'll come. And then when he got to him, the Lord took him and set him in the middle of people. You think it might have been thousands of people there. We know he had a crowd. And that little boy said, if, that, if this adult man is set me here, I'm going to sit here. Now, I don't like being in front of people, but I'm going to sit here. I ain't got no mind of my own. Does everybody understand that? Except you become as a little child and, and be converted. What is he saying? Little children are sponges. They don't come here fighting you about reading and arithmetic. They don't come here arguing with you about nothing. You, you can tell a child, okay, we're going to play the game for the rest of your life every week. It's on Monday, your name is going to be Tuesday. On Tuesday, your name is going to be Wednesday. That's the way we do it in this family. Are they going to argue? No. I like that game. This is fun. Does everybody understand that? Why do you think most of you didn't know you had a traumatic childhood until you got grown? Because <laughs> that was the norm. We played a game when I was little. I got punched in the head. <laughs> you didn't know that to some counselor told you that wasn't right. That wasn't no game. <laughs> I understand. And I'm telling you, that's the way it has to be if we're going to follow the Lord. We got to empty ourselves of what we think we know. We have to be converted. The Lord can't pour his word in you and you follow it. Does everybody understand that? Does everybody understand there's a difference in hearing God's word and it becoming a part of you? You hear it just like everybody else hear it. But it, it hasn't become a part of you until you start living it. When that's your evidence that it has become a part of you. But it cannot become a part of you. And see, here's what you need to think about. Think about the area in your life where you disobey in God's word. If you think about that area, then you now you have to ask yourself this. What is it that's already there that's causing me not to let God in? Besides pride, because pride is going automatically. If you're not receiving God's word and it's not a part of you, then pride is automatically there. That's the reason why I said humble yourself as this little child. But it has to be something there already that's keeping God from being able to penetrate and get his word there the way it's supposed to be. Does everybody understand that? So if, if, if we say, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, that's the Bible. And the husband go home and don't love his wife as Christ loved the church, it means that he has an excuse for not doing it. He need to figure out what the lie is and get rid of it. If you don't deal with the lie, you will never have room for the truth. Does everybody understand that? My prayer is that we really hear that today. That word, that truth, it'll make you, it makes you free. Does everybody understand that? Do you know when you empty yourself out, that, that's one of the reasons why it takes so many people, it takes effort in, on their part in their mind. That's, and, when, and when you got, and when it takes all of this effort to try to live for God, it's because it ain't in you to do it. If this cup is empty, it ain't got to be, it, there's no effort at all. The Lord is the one pouring the word, word in there. Does everybody understand that? So you ought to be in a place. Now, let me just tell you how this works. The Bible says that the truth make you free. That means when you are completely empty of your own junk and God pours his word in you, you can't help but to live it. It make you live it. You ain't got to go home and, and post sticky notes all over your house to remind you of nothing. No, you ain't got to play that game. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? The, the only way you need to do that is if, it's, if this is there. If this on the inside of you, you, you got to get a whole gallon of sticky notes. Because listen, you don't need to be reminded when it's on the inside of you. 
It's just there. This it's just gonna produce it. You ain't got to okay. So yeah, Brother Bowden says wives, you know, submit to your own husband. Let me post this all around the house so I can remember. No, you ain't got to do that. Well, the Bible tells me to be gentle, so let me post that around the house so I can remember. No, you ain't got to do that. All you got to do is accept God's word and don't have nothing else there to combat that. Does everybody understand that? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word. Thank you for sharing these things with us today. And God, we pray that you will help us to live according to what we heard, Lord. God, we ask that you will reveal to us the things that we're holding on to that's keeping your word from becoming a part of us. Help us, Lord, to want to be completely sold out to you. Help us, Lord, to quit playing games with our soul. Help us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for those times that we've played, for the times we've compromised on purpose. Forgive us, Lord, for acting like we were confused and didn't understand. Help us, Lord, to be real with ourselves so that we can serve you with our whole heart. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for us. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us not to take that for granted. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. All right. If that's all now, the Lord say the same. We can go ahead and be dismissed. And uh, you're dismissed now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.